Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. Well, your flight's in a couple hours. Uh, y'all packed? Yep, I am good to go. Sunscreen? Check. And what about protection? You know, for you and Kelly? Protection? Oh, Dad. Yes, we got it. All right, all right, just making sure. Keep relying on what works. Before you travel this holiday season, visit vaccines.gov to book your COVID-19 vaccine. Help the Crowd Shout Radio Show grow and thrive by doing something you already do. Shop on Amazon. Amazon always has great deals for whatever you are looking for. From survivalist and riot gear to Beanie Babies. Next time you're going to shop at Amazon, use my link. The prices stay the same, but I get credit for the sale. Just go to tinyurl.com slash B and just shop normally knowing that you're helping support the Crotch Shot Radio Show. That's tinyurl.com slash B. Morning. Morning. This show contains mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Are you? Who are you? This is the Crotch Shot Radio Show. Crotch Shot Radio Show. This is not a test. This is a broadcast transmission. We're going to stay on the air. And now, and now, the way be, the way be. Welcome to the Crowd Shot Radio Show, where we kick the issues in the balls. We're on an active war against bullshit. We will do anything and everything to expose bullshit. The ends sometimes justify the means. So if you're angry and want the truth exposed, then strap in and prepare to be shocked. This is Smash Mouth Talk. If you can't accept that, then fuck off. I'm your host, Louis B. I take no bullshit from nobody. I actually expose the bullshit of society and chop it up to easy-to-digest chunks for you. Today will not be any different. Today we're going to be talking about what the hell happened during the New York City elections uh, yesterday. Hello, hello, hello. So, yeah, no, I, actually, I wanted to have you on um, to discuss what happened here in New York uh, after the election. I mean, why Why does it seem like the status quo wa- was, you know, maintained? The status quo? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's what always happens in New York City. Um, partly it's because it's 
well, from a campaigning standpoint, it's hard for when the media doesn't really cover a lot of the other office. Like, basically, if you watch the media coverage mm-hmm. of the race, the only time they talk about a non, you know, Republican, Democrat candidate is to talk about Bo Beadle. And the only reason they wanted to focus on Bo Beadle is because they knew he would take votes away from Mario Takis. Mm. They didn't want to talk about, like, candidates that would take votes away from de Blasio, like Mike Tolkien or Akeem Browder or Aaron Comey. Who you know address issues like, for example, like and Comey and Akeem Browder always both touch on the criminal justice issue. Well, we don't want to violate the, the Democrats' narrative of having a monopoly on that. Um, so it was very skewed. Like there were some people who really made an effort, um, but oftentimes it wasn't necessarily in the bigger media outlets. They made an effort to talk to these candidates, but the major media outlets, the New York One, the Brooklyn Twelve, that really, really are what people, most people in New York City watch. They only covered. And they didn't even start covering it until like a month before the election. So most people didn't, weren't aware of the primaries. Most people weren't aware. And most people are so busy, they don't vote. Um, and then when you're campaigning on, in the crowd, like, like let's say I go to pretty much anywhere in New York City, nine out of ten people aren't voters. They're tourists. They're people who work in New York City, but they live outside of New York City. Uh, they're immigrants, um, which is all good. The problem is makes it really hard for a candidate to really reach voters because you don't know where they are. And it's not really a good way unless you have millions of dollars to personally mail each one to the registered voting address. So, I mean, is um, is the Libertarian Party? Uh, I don't. I mean, maybe you could discuss this if you can't. Just say say you mm-hmm. can't, and I'll just I'll move on because I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> but is, is the Libertarian Party of New York of New York City? Are they? Um, wargaming this or or trying to come up with different strategies to overcome this in the future because yeah i don't see i don't yeah, see I mean, it, all, go ahead it, it 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 all comes down to 2018 mm-hmm. because what happens is that really in order to really like build uh, a bigger vote total you need to have lots of candidates i mean we only were able to get five candidates on the ballot this year because of just the hurdles of getting them on the ballot now we had like city council candidates all across the city, campaigning all across the city, having that kind of reach reaches a lot more people. The problem is ballot access. Um, as a, since we're not officially a, a, an official party here in New York, uh, we have to get thousands of signatures from anybody we want to get on, on the ballot. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we only can run a few candidates. And the problem is the other parties, the major parties, Republicans and Democrats, they're more likely to challenge you if you run for those smaller winnable offices because they know you have a chance. Now, running for like mayor, comptroller, they know your chances are a lot less, so they don't really care if you get on the ballot. So right now, it's structurally set up in a way that we can only run in the races where we're less likely to win. Um, in 2018, for governor, if we can get 50,000 votes for governor, then we have ballot access for four years, which means it's not a problem getting people on any candidate, on any city council, ra- on any city council race, on any borough president race, mm-hmm. on any assembly race, on any state race for four years. It also saves us a lot of money. I mean, we spend thousands of dollars, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars to get on the ballot in a year. And that's money that can be spent for advertising, spent mm-hmm. mobilizing uh, ca- uh, for candidates. So basically that 2018 race, Larry Sharp running for governor, that really decides the future of the Libertarian Party in New York. I mean, the, like, the only way I could see Larry doing it is is if he has the same type of momentum that Ron Paul had, that, I mean, Donald Trump had during the election to be very po- polarizing. And that's what seems to... Well, that's- that seems to, to what, yeah, what works, what gets the gets the um, gets the votes, gets the gets the excitement is to be that polarizing. Is the is is Larry? I mean, I, I don't mean to. Um, I speak from. But. I would agree in different states. 
Mm. New York was not a state that Donald Trump won in a landslide. New York wasn't a vote where a, a location where Ron Paul, you know, did stronger in the in the primaries. New York votes a little bit differently. They, um, but at the end of the day, win or lose, if he gets 50,000 votes, he's opened the door for the Libertarian Party. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you run as a Libertarian Party candidate, like even with the governor's race, if we had state assembly, if we have, hopefully we'll have many state assembly candidates, state senate candidates running, mm-hmm. and those help the vote vote. So then you have someone who's sort of your avatar in that area speaking to the issue, speaking for the party. Problem is when you only have one candidate or a handful of candidates having to cover the whole state, it becomes a lot harder. That's, a, that's the thing. Like the, the, the Dems, the Republicans, they make sure they're running someone every race because they have the infrastructure to do so. We're building that infrastructure. Getting ballot access is the next big piece. So, you know what? Larry's raising more than I've ever seen any Libertarian Party candidate race. Um, he has a bigger team than I've ever seen a Libertarian candidate have. Um, you know, he's not run competitively. But at the end of the day, to move the ball forward, at least 50,000 votes. And if anyone can at least get 50,000 votes, it's Larry Sharp. I mean, the Libertarian Party of New York has only crossed the 50,000 threshold once, and it wasn't a governor's election. It was the 1992 U.S. Senate election with Norma Segal. Problem is, that doesn't get you ballot access. So, for example, if I had gotten over 50,000 votes, I got 48,000 last year for U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. If I had gotten the 50,000, still wouldn't have gotten that ballot access. Only counts in a governor's year. I see. So, I mean, so what, what are the plans? Well, actually, I don't want to, I don't want to, that's the wrong question to ask, but are, are there, are there plans to, to start raising the funds so that way, you know, we, you guys could start getting some uh, major visibility and hopefully. Oh, he already is. Oh, he is. He's been raising tens and uh, he's, he's already outraised pretty much every libertarian candidate short of like Gary Johnson's, you know, uh, presidential campaign that I've seen. Like I've, I've, he's raising significant numbers of money, mm-hmm. and that's already been raised. He's already out there, you know, making the connections, campaigning. We already have a team. Like I'm the policy director. You know, we we have team calls every week. Um, it's it's an actual organization. Yeah, I mean, like, cause I'm in I'm in District Two. Uh, you know, City Council mm-hmm. District Two. Um, I, I'm actually surprised how well Don Don Garrity did. Um, I, yeah, I was very pleasant surprise. He's a great guy, so yeah. I was very happy to see that. Like, I, I was trying to get him on my show, but he has zero social media presence. Yes, I was trying to help him with that. And, and yeah, I mean, I was like, I, I was like, how how am I supposed to help help this guy? I, I mean, you know, he he has no Twitter, no Facebook. Like, how do you expect to win? Like, the thing that kind of pissed me off, especially about my uh, my city council, like. Look, Jimmy McMillan was running under the Republican Party, and everyone knows who Jimmy McMillan is. Like, the rent is too yep. damn high, yet he lost to yep. Carolina Rivera, who I never fucking heard of. How the hell mm-hmm. does she get 19,000 votes basically having zero, uh, zero name? Well, that's the thing about New York City. Like, people who vote Democrat as a reflex. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and, then, and then the thing is that the only time where people actually have to think about what candidate they're picking is during the primaries, <laughs> and they barely cover the primaries. Like, there's like literally no mention of it until after the primaries are done. So it's literally like the powers that be choose the candidates from, you know, party loyalists, and then the candidates just sail into victory and don't have to worry about anything else. It's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's the media's fault. It's the, the part, it's, it's the, the rules, New York, uh, the rules that New York has, it makes it really hard for there to be other voices in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's also just the nature, and it's also just the nature of cities where a lot of people, especially in New York City, where people are working around the clock just to make ends meet. Yeah. They don't have time to sit down, um, 
you know, I mean, New York City does make some efforts. Like, I love the voting guide where they mail to all registered voters. I got but it. again, even then, how much people, how much do people read what they get in the mail? Like I read it because I knew it, you know, I wanted to, you know, see my piece and see all my friends in there. Well, I mean, I, I read it. To the side and they looked at it. Yeah, I read it, but I already knew where I was going to lean towards. Obviously, I yeah. mean, but also, I mean, you know, not to not to like browbeat you or or anything or browbeat the Libertarian Party, but where the hell were y'all in the Manhattan District Attorney race? Or the um, the the Supreme Court races, there was only Democrat. I I mean I wrote I wrote my oh, agreed. I, yeah I wrote myself in for the Supreme Court justices for for the positions because like why the hell not it like pro like out of protest um, I wrote in um, oh goodness I already forgot his name Bokan 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 for uh, uh, you know uh, district attorney yeah I oh, mean no no without, you know, without it's sorry. hard. What, yeah, um, but it's hard to get candidates when you don't have ballot access. Because when you don't have ballot access, then you have to, you're not only having to find someone to be a candidate, but you have to tell them, okay, you need to go spend tens of hours begging people for signatures um, just so that way you can be on the ballot before you can actually get the campaign. Yeah. So that sways a lot of people from even thinking about running. Um, but that, so basically, that, yeah, that really, we want, I mean, we only, again, we only had five candidates. We would have loved to have a lot more. Yeah. I mean, that really sounds like, uh, you know, the Libertarian Party here in New York really needs to start building and, and start us doing some major fundraising to, to, to get like a war chest going to actually go after these, the, the you know, go after the, these races and really be, to, to really be, uh, competitive. I mean, well, the thing is that we have, we raise money. The problem is that it all ends up getting used to get on the ballot. That's why ballot access matters. That's why the 2018 matters so much. Because the money we raise didn't get, you know, have to be spent on just petitioning to get on the ballot every year. Then you actually have money for actual campaigning. And then that's new, new, that's basically comes down to New York's rules regarding ballot access. And they only give you that opportunity to earn ballot access once every four years. Yeah. So if you don't get it, that opportunity, you're screwed for the next four years, no matter how well you do in between. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, like, how hard really is it? Because a lot of times when I, because, you know, because I vote every year or, you know, or wherever, whenever there's a, an election and you see all these like retarded sounding uh, political parties or like, uh, like the rent is too damn hard, high party, the stop the Blasio party. I'm not saying they're stupid, but, you know, they, you know, you'll have, a the, lot of, uh, you know, the a lot of those are paid for by the major parties because the idea is that if you get more of these names. That sound like oh okay well I don't know I don't want to vote Republican or Democrat but I do want to stop the Blasio so I'll vote for the stop the Blasio party so mm-hmm. the Republicans and the Democrats they'll pay for the petitioning to get these other lines on there hmm. so just to get a few more votes here and there so it's that that actually gets funded but there's actually other parties are funding it's not like someone just said oh I'm gonna go make this one funny party usually that's a strategy by the major parties there's something I really dislike about the fusion voting system we have in New York where people have an incentive to to do that to create the, the basically. Um, pollutes the ballot with the same person over and over again to drown out everybody else. Hmm. Okay, so like, the, the, but the Libertarian Party, we're having to spend to get our, and it, it's tough. Like, especially if you're a Libertarian in, in, in very liberal New York, hmm. I've had time where I'm collecting signatures, people realize I'm a Libertarian, they come back to cross off their signature. Um, just because I'm a Libertarian. They liked me, and they got along with me while we talked. The minute they see the word, hear the word Libertarian, they just said, nope, no, I don't like you anymore. Why, why is that? Yes, like, it, why, why, what's... Um, pa- Part of it is, um, the, especially left-wing media has done a very big hit job on the term libertarian. Uh, people have this very specific 
you know, narrow view of what a libertarian is, even though what a libertarian is is very diverse and very broad. Um, you know, basically, the one thing is that's the same with most libertarians is that we just want you to have more control of your life. But what, what, how did, what kind of world do you want? You know, what you think the world should look like? That's very different from libertarian to libertarian. There are, like, progressive-leaning libertarians, but they just don't want government making the world progressive. There are conservative libertarians. They just don't want government forcing, you know, that worldview. They want it to be done through just us voluntarily getting along with each other. Um, but people don't get that. Like, I mean, for example, this year, uh, uh, I forget who's been uh, the first thing, but um, there was that book that basically totally attacked um, uh, Buchanan's economic work on political choice um, or public choice theory and tried to decry public choice theory and libertarianism as racist. And this was like a huge book on the left this year. Um, and it was just completely like not at all Object, you know, basically, it was it really shoehorned its argument. But the problem is, this is a lot of what the left is consuming, and especially here in New York, so they have this really distorted view. Like, I um, mean, again, it happens on the right too. I mean, there, a lot of times, you, but you don't see as much here in New York because usually the party who you're more of a threat to has more of an interest in painting you with a, with a bad brush. Okay, and so that's what ends up happening here. Uh, that it's the left who's painting us with a really sort of, oh, we just want to throw everybody out on the streets, we just want everyone to, you know, we just want to sort of rabid social Darwinist, we don't really, and we don't care about people kind of, kind of image on us. It's not like that at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I've, like, heard, I've it, heard that before. I mean, you know, that's, that's the common, that's a common joke. Oh, you know, you're a libertarian? Oh, so you don't want roads. You, oh, you, yuck. Like, shit. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I just, you know, I just want to hike from place to place. Um, you know, just enjoying my and paying for stuff in Bitcoin, you know. Mm-hmm. Although I do want to pay for stuff in Bitcoin. So the, um, I mean, there there are there is a uh, a push to uh, you know to uh, develop an infrastructure so that way businesses could start uh, accepting Bitcoin. I mean, I'm surprised that hasn't happened mm-hmm. yet. So that way you you know you just walk around with like a a debit card that has Bitcoin. You can you, you can already do that. Oh. Um, you can use BitPay. And you can just have a pre. What you do is you just take your Bitcoin account in your BitPay wallet, mm-hmm. and what you do is just as you need to spend money, you just load cash onto your prepaid BitPay credit card. So that's actually pretty cool. Uh, there's actually all sorts of different ways to use cryptocurrency, and then I mean some of these cryptocurrencies actually are like super interesting. That actually you know kind of create like there's one called Dash. Okay, so to go a little off topic, but I, this, mm-hmm. you'll like this. Um, what Dash does is it actually has a built-in tax. Um, and then basically a built-in government, but it's not like a government of people. It's it's literally like programmed into the code. So basically, you know, certain people that meet certain criteria get a vote on this, and it charges these transaction fees, and it goes into a pool of money that can be used to hire developers to develop the software. But I mean, this almost gives you, you know, in theory, you could almost use the same principles to create sort of a digital governance structures where you don't need politicians, where you don't have to have this core process. You can have sort of this automated process to set aside funds and allow people to directly decide how to use those funds. It's kind of like what Devin Dalton was kind of getting at with a lot of the stuff he wanted to do. But I mean, Dash really kind of creates an implementation of how that could actually look like, which is very fascinating. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, so, but what about taxes and whatnot, like towards the brick and mortar government? How would that, would, does, oh, that I cut, mean, could, does that cut out the, cut them out completely? Well, I mean, well, it depends how you do it. I mean, again, this is just, this is all theoretical right now. Mm-hmm. The Dash is just one implementation that builds it into the cryptocurrency. I mean, theoretically, what you could, I mean, if I can imagine a smaller city government doing is creating like a city-wide cryptocurrency that has those kind of built-in transaction fees and allows 
you know, let's say people who meet similar uh, parameters in Dash to make a decision how those that cryptocurrency pool gets made. It'd be separate from the U.S. dollar tax system that exists here in New York City, but then you'd have this cryptocurrency that kind of builds its own funding that people within New York City could direct those fund that funding towards things that they care about mm. without having to have politicians in the middle who are corrupt and all that stuff. Yeah. It's it's again it's. Technology opened up a lot of cool doors. Oh, there's a lot of stuff to think through first. Mm. So luckily, the cryptocurrency space is experimenting with a lot of this stuff and discovering what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have much better ways to use this technology as the years come and we see how it all shakes out. Mm-hmm. So in, in like, uh, how long will you think, do you think will it take the Libertarian Party here in New York to, to really become viable? All depends on 2018. We get ballot access. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're already much more viable upstate. I think we're going to be, we'll be building upstate before we build the New York City. I mean, New York City is the toughest market, one of the toughest markets in the country. Mm. Okay, like, you saw the Republican vote totals in New York City. Yeah. The Republicans are trying to figure out how to, you know, be viable in New York City. Um, true, true. I mean, so except, except when New- we're talking about <laughs> maybe the Upper East Side and Staten Island. <laughs> yeah, like, in some parts of Queens. But I mean, for the most part, like, they can't win enough city council seats or, yeah, in order to actually affect policy. So it, it's, it's, it's a difference. Really, this is, this is a Democratic stronghold. Like, I compare, like, this is like, like you know, like the, the Democrat Mordor. Um, is it because uh, people are not paying attention? Because, I mean, even, like, the thing is, I would have sworn with, uh, you know, de Blasio's uh, pay-for-play scandal, that would have sunk him. But... Nope, it didn't. He got reelected. No, no, scandal and all. It would have. It would have hurt in the primaries if people actually publicized the primaries. Mm. Like, but there was like no coverage of the primaries. And then once you get the general election, people are just going to vote Democrat. Well, that's the thing. But his so, pay for like, play, his pay for play scandal was all over the newspaper. Like, I agree, but I mean, when you think about more, a lot of a lot of people use some level of city services. And when they're being told that the Republicans are here to take away all their, their, their services that they use, mm. um, they don't care who the Democrat is, they're going to vote for the Democrat. Yeah. I mean, people vote based on, people don't vote ideologically. People vote based on, most people vote based on, okay, what do I think is going to be best for me, dollars and cents? Right. Which is totally rational. I mean, most people aren't thinking, okay, what do I think is best for the world at large? They're thinking, okay, what, what, you know, what's good for number one, which is totally reasonable. I mean, in a city, um, you know, you're going to have a lot more people where, you know, uh, they benefit from different level of of government services. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why I think, like, the right presentation isn't, okay, whether you get rid of the services or not, but more can we delegate those services differently so that way we save taxpayers' money, but can roll over those kinds of services into other entities that that may actually even be able to do it better because they're operating within a competitive atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But again, you see the taxpayers' money at the same time because you're you're you're, you're divesting or you're delegating that authority to another to, in, to into the market, but you're not necessarily limiting. And again, it's it's all about the choice of words. Yeah, I mean, because with uh, specifically with Nicole, I mean, because because we have we have a bad homeless problem in in New York City. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's 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 bad like in other places, but it it, it has gotten worse under De Blasio, which again amazes me that people don't like didn't pay attention to this they hate seeing homeless people on the street uh you would think you would think that they would uh well with nicole she had a very uh, a plan that would um cut waste 
and make it easier for people to to get people out of the shelter system and into apartments and just and, yeah the problem is that yeah our homeless policy is totally totally screwed the pooch i mean it's been like that for decades but we guarantee we're basically we basically treat basically it's, it's, it's like everything else nowadays where everyone wants to reclassify like for example i want people to be educated i want people to have health care i want people to have housing these are privileges that i want people to have because that's a good thing for people to have these privileges but they're not it's not a right. You're not entitled to all these different things. And the problem is by treating it that way, you actually make it more scarce. That's what's happening. Here. We've guaranteed everyone housing. Mm. We fill up hotels. We fill up all, all these new developments with, with people who need housing. The problem is that ends up pushing the cost of the existing house, um, market housing, which means so you have people making decent salary, sometimes decent income anywhere else that can't afford a home in New York City, probably because we've destroyed our whole housing market. Mm. by basically, I mean, hotels are extra expensive because half of our hotels are just basically used as shelter now. Yeah. And what happens is that those hotels don't have to pay property tax. So that means everybody else has to pay more property tax to make up for the property tax they're not paying because they're housing, they're being used as shelters. So you end up having this policy that actually hurts revenue, but it increases costs, and it just keeps doing it over and over again. And you have homeless people coming from all across the country to New York City mm. because they know they're guaranteed a bed. Yeah, I mean, from what I heard... Uh, the city pays at least uh, three thousand and ch- and 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 change uh, per person in the shelter system for, uh, in these hotels per month. Yep. Per month. Yep. That's yeah, and that's cash out. You're not even talking about the foregone tax revenue. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's you know, uh, oops, that's like um, what a hundred a day, a hundred dollars a day. I mean. Yeah, and if you yeah, have, I mean the city would be, yeah the city would just be better off by creating incentives for housing charities in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean you you'd be basically instead of you know getting and interrupting the housing market as it does and and, and doing everything that it does currently, just replacing it with a policy where basically it adds extra tax benefits to making donations to charities that provide housing, mm-hmm. um, or, or, or you know that would create channel funds there, but then you have you would have charities that would have a reason to figure out how to optimize the use of the money and more flexibility to do so. Because mm-hmm. it's much harder to change policy than it is to change a charity a charity to change its way it's op- it operates. So you have a much more nimble um, aid. I mean, but, okay, but let's say with these charities, because there, there are a lot of corporations here in New York and, you know, um, that, that deal with homelessness and they actually, they, they abuse the system as well. I mean, they're getting paid all this money and they're not actually helping people. How, like how, like I, and I hate to use the term regulation or to regulate. Um, but how would you prevent that, uh, prevent them from doing any type of waste? There has to be some form of oversight. Well, if people waste, it's because they can get away with it. For mm-hmm. example, like, if you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, I'm more likely to waste food, but I know I'm not paying anything additional for the food. Mm-hmm. So you have to take a look at examine the incentives. If people are looking to abuse the system, it's because the system allows it, or the system is set up in a way that's easy to do so. Um, so that's why like, a lot of, and that's why, uh, and the thing is that it's hard, when government systems are right for abuse, it's hard to change them, okay? Because what happens is that, for example, we see this Medicaid. There's, there's huge amounts of Medicaid fraud, and there's a lot of money in it. So that way, whenever one, anyone wants to challenge uh, Medicaid and try to address the fraud in Medicaid, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, no, you're trying to take all the health care away from poor people. But oftentimes, all the false claims and all that stuff, people, people will protect their, 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 their rooms for abuse by saying you're trying to hurt the people that the program was intended for mm-hmm. when their abuse is really 
you know, just taking away funds that could be used to help those people. That's why you'd want to channel funds into institutions that don't have to deal with all the political back and forth. The problem is once it's already stuck in politics as it is now, mm. and it's hard to pull back out. Um, but the bottom line is you want to get rid of abuse, you have to get rid of what's being abused. Because as long as the government runs something, you won't change fast enough to prevent abuse. You just need to get rid of it and shift it into um, a more nimble environment, which is a more market-based environment. I see. So, um, okay, let's uh, let's uh, change the subject. What were your thoughts on the whole um, this whole campaign to like not have a constitutional convention? Well, I mean, it was well. Basically, what they did, they told every public sector worker that, hey, you know what, this constitutional convention is going to destroy your pensions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now they all voted against it. At the end of the day, that's not what's destroying the pensions. I was running for comptroller, and I can tell, I can say firsthand, mm-hmm. what's going to destroy your pensions is, is basically no one asking the real questions about how those pensions are structured. Like, that's what I ran on. I'm trying to ask those questions about how the structure of your pensions are so that New York City pensioners can actually count on their retirement, and then taxpayers can, you know, be safe from having to pay more billions of dollars in payments. Yeah. But, um, you know, a constitutional convention wouldn't have been the, the big threat. I mean, at the end of the day, who turns out to vote? It's going to be the same people who voted against that constitutional convention. Exactly. So the delegates to that constitutional convention would have represented those same interests. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wasn't a huge... I mean, I wasn't against, I wasn't really for the constitutional convention, because I knew the same people The same people who were going to be electing the delegates are the same people who elect everybody else in New York. Um, and we don't have necessarily the best track record of electing the best politicians. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the uh, you know, because uh, I saw that commercial on, on uh, Instagram with Mark Ruffalo, you know, uh, doing a voiceover, and he's like, oh, you oh, know, the, the, yeah, uh, Ed Norton was better. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Maybe>. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> why, why did they have to, why, how come they couldn't play ball with Ed Norton? Um, it's, uh. Like you know, it, it, like the the main argument people like, oh, we need to protect, uh, we need to keep these uh, corrupt uh, lobbyists out of the convention. I'm like, they're still there. They're there now. What difference does it yeah. make? They, I don't you know, know how much worse you could really make it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh. it's like you know, and, and and honestly, again, I'm I'm a member of a union that I'm not really too proud of. The only thing. The only thing that they're useful for is providing me with affordable health care and, you know, and, and that goes a long way these days. Yeah. And, and protecting and protecting me from grievances from the company I work for. Other than that, yeah, that's not a bad thing. And, and, and other than but other than that, uh, it annoys me that a they they back communists um, and, mm-hmm. and they try to get. They 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 associate they associate the, themselves with Marxists and I mean don't does doesn't anyone read Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested thirteen billion dollars in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down one point seven billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. T-Mobile is your new choice in coverage and value. And we've got an exclusive offer for your town. Introducing the Hometown Discount. Switch to T-Mobile and you get 25% off qualifying new lines for life. 
That's 25% off unlimited talk, text, and data for the life of your plan. Head to T-Mobile and save big today. At participating stores for a limited time, visit T-Mobile.com slash hometown discount. Discount stops if you cancel lines. Heavy data users and customers on lower prioritized plans may notice lower speeds during congestion due to data prioritization. Video typically streams at 40p. The goddamn uh, uh, history book where, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, communism is not really too keen on labor unions. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of strands of communism, but at the end of the day, like, they're going, it's, it's not so much that they want to pr- promote communism, is that they know who's more likely to serve their interest of keeping, keeping their alliances with them. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like everything else. Like, you'll, people will promote whoever says stuff, whether they agree with them or disagree with them, if it benefits them economically. That's just most people. Most people are, 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 you know, making rational decisions over what's, what's best for them. And people think that politics is different, that these politicians are, are above, you know, rational self-interest when they're the people most subject to it. Um, because they not only get, because their rational self-interest gives them access to large chunks of other people's money. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is why we see, I mean, recently there was a coal scandal with a councilman, um, no, not a councilman, I think state, state assembly member, um, basically laundering money to his son's city council candidate through basically setting up a fake, a, a charity and then giving money to the charity that his son was running, which really was just the final money for his campaign by paying him a large salary from that from that charity. And, uh, oh. you know, this is the kind of corruption you have because you have access to other people's money. Okay, this just in. Um, I'm on Facebook right now. And, yep. And there's a comedian. And fuck it, I'm going to name his name. His name is James Inman. And he just mm-hmm. posted this uh, this tirade. I'm going to read this. And it, this just immediately pissed me off. <clears throat> How do libertarians exist in the real world without people beating the living shit out of them? Seriously? They're goddamn annoying as fuck. I have a theory that nerd libertarians with an irrational, paranoid fear of socialism hidden everywhere in the known universe will eventually de-evolve into adult babies with little or no basic social skills. That their ultimate evolution... Uh, ultimate ev- uh, oh, that's their ultimate evolution. Self-absorbed narcissists unable to comprehend how other people might be in the same room. After they defund education, they'll degenerate into farting, belching, shitting on themselves, picking their nose, pulling their dick out, calling people fat or ugly, potato salad all over their face and on the front of their shirt because I get to say and do whatever I want. Why should I worry or care about other people? No wonder libertarians are always armed to the teeth. I would be too if everyone wanted to beat the fuck out of me. Does anyone really like these people? Ever wonder why there's so many mass shootings? Because capitalism creates sociopaths. That's the future of America. Libertarians will breed like rats. They'll live longer because they'll have all uh, they'll, uh, because they'll have all the money and health care. All the homeless will die <laughs> off. Jokes won't be funny anymore because everyone will be making themselves laugh. People will either stay indoors with all their food, guns, and toilet paper delivered by Amazon, or if they go outside, it will be nonstop random mass shootings. Everyone outside 
will also be a mass shooter too so they'll be all be trying to kill each other kind of like a combination of hero cop slash mass shooter version of rollerball whoever gets a high score will be rewarded two days immortality on cnn yep just usually like that's the kind of stuff that i would get when i was like petitioning and that's generally like how a lot of people in new york city feel about the returns that's the image they have and i mean i don't feel so bad that he did a rant like that i mean i've heard conservatives libertarians going around so good about like socialists and communists you know the problem is everyone's just so rushed rush to attack and demonize the thing they disagree with instead of just having a conversation and trying to understand like i don't agree with socialism i don't agree with communism really but i do i have friends that are communists and socialists i try my damn hardest to try to understand where they're coming from because the only way i can know that i don't believe what they believe is if i try hard as hell to convince myself of it and find that i still cannot be convinced mm. um so problem is no one wants to take that test and that's end up having reactions like that because the only way for people to shield themselves from other views is to demonize the hell out of it. They don't want to change their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, by, you know, and so that's why, you know, basic people on the left, they demonize libertarianism as, you know, basic, oh, they want Mad Max. That's, that's the world. We're going to all be on drag racers chasing each other in the desert after a nuclear holocaust. Um, because, you know, we can have recreational nukes. Um, well, you know, we'll, we, we will, sometimes libertarians and conservatives will, will demonize uh, people on the left as saying they all want to have, like, Stalinist Russia. Um, when, you know, the, the truth about all these things are, 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 are shades of gray. People are diverse. That Libertarians are diverse. People on the left are diverse. Conservatives are diverse. Um, and, you know, I've never met two people that have an identical view on things or come at it from the identical way. We just mm. need to be more willing to have conversations with each other. And, you know, maybe we'll have a chance of moving more closer towards something that seems not crazy. Oh goodness! It's it's like it's like people don't understand what libertarianism really is. Nope, not at all. Because they don't care to. Because they they have the people who they believe are the people who always tell them the truth. So you know, I'm like, okay, I'm this. So I'll be like, I'm someone from the left, so and I'm listening you to you know, Chenk on uh, the Young Turks, and he tells me what libertarianism is. That must be what it is. Yeah, whatever. He support- me. Yeah, he supports a fucking rapist. So you know, to hell with him. <laughs> it's like it's like that you know it's people like that that they're just imploding they're they're imploding it is what it is everything's got to get worse before it gets better i mean that's you know but the, my thing is i'm going to keep talking i'm going to keep educating i'm going to keep pushing because when that time comes when people are ready to try something different when people are ready to turn turn the page in a different direction i want to make sure people heard the message and are primed for it mm. so i'm just going to keep pushing i know it's going to it's going to seem I'm, there's going to be more reasons for pessimism down the road. Things are going to look bleaker, but at some point, people will look for something else, and I want to make sure I'm there when that happens. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just seems like people that hate libertarianism or who just don't get. Oh, well, well, actually, no. Let me let me rephrase that. It seems to me that people that hate libertarianism are people that are just that keep looking at someone else's plate and are just like, oh, I want what he's having. How come he has it? I want it. I feel like I deserve it. Um, you know, let me demonize him for having it. He obviously well, didn't didn't work for it. You, you know, it's 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 this it's this me 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 attitude. Yeah, well, and and it's like, you know, I'll help you get it. I'll teach you how to get what I get. You just got to put in the same amount of work that I do. It's it's really not that difficult. Like I mean, well, I, I, yeah, I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. This is like the way 
I don't know, something like the way I feel about it is more like they they've never experienced like I grew up I grew up in abject I in poverty for like a good chunk of my childhood. Mm. Um so I know how hard it is and then you know, it wasn't like other people basically what happens is a lot of these people like they had this sort of really romantic view um that everybody was having a tough day, that none of it like, you know, some people do have a bad day for reasons that they couldn't control. But that's not everybody. Okay. A lot of people do sometimes make bad choices. I've made bad choices. Everyone's made bad choices. But basically, sort of a lot of left thinking is like when you sit there and say, okay, we, you want a more freer market, you're just like, well, there's all these people who, you know, have no control over anything, and you just, you know, it, it was sort of a sort of romantic view of the way the world works, and mm-hmm. then, they, then they'll go through the same thing you. You have this romantic view of how the market works. No, I've never said that the market's going to work perfectly 100% of the time. I just think it's going to work better. Okay, like it's, and it's not going to work better because nothing bad happens. It's going to work better because bad things happen. When I burn myself in the stove, I learn not to burn, not to touch the stove again. That's why free markets matter because when people make choices, they make mistakes and successes. Mm. But it's the mistakes that teach us to have successes down the road. All right. So, I mean, um, where, where do we go from here? One day at a time. One foot, one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. As Gary Johnson used to say. Because, I mean, it, it's, but, just, um, it's just like, it, I mean, going back to New York, the New York City, it's just, to me, it's either people are too lazy to to really see that they're cutting off their own noses to spite their face. Like, they, they really don't yeah. understand how they are actually voting against their own self-interest. And, and, yeah, but most people don't, mm-hmm. most people don't like study, you know, like extensive economic opportunity costs, or they haven't studied history enough to kind of understand how things used to work and how things got to where they are, they assume that the way things now was the way things always worked. So they assume that everything is here for good reasons. They don't understand sort of all the politics that led to a lot of that cronyism that led to sort of all these things being in place. Um, so people have a hard time imagining, you know, um, how th- things work. Like, they really literally imagine that all regulations are done by government, when, like, a lot of the regulations are actually done by insurance companies. Because mm. insurance companies want to make sure that policyholders don't cost them a lot of money. And that's what would happen. If, you had, if I had a free market in deposit insurance, there would be private pro- deposit insurance companies and they're going to ask banks for record keeping and other types of requirements to make sure that, you know, they're not paying out the, paying out the other end in, in, in insurance claims. So there'll still be paperwork. There'll still be rules. There'll still be regulations in a free market. Um, but you would at least have a competitive process so that way it's not overly burdensome. Because if, if the insurance company asks for too much that they put the bank out of business, well, then that's not going to work out for them really well. So you have a much more incentive of figuring out what the right mix is in a free market. All right. Um, wow. Okay. Um, trying to think of what else to I do ask. Again. Yeah. <laughs> trying to think of what else to ask you. Um, well, bottom oh, line, for yeah. everyone who's listening, you know, if you're in New York City, get involved with the New York City Libertarian Party. Go over there to libertarianyc.com. Get involved with your local borough. Because if the Libertarian Party is going to ever be a thing here in New York City, we need people to get involved. We need people at meetings. We need people who are willing to go out there and help us collect email signatures. That's what it's going to take to make the Libertarian Party a viable option. Not any kind of structural logic. No, there's no <clears throat> strategy. At the end of the day, it's hard work by lots of people. What we need is lots of people ready to do work. Mm-hmm. So, I've hopefully people heard that, and I'll see them at a meeting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I wish I could uh, be more active with uh, the Libertarian Party as well. I mean, uh, it's just that, like you said earlier in this episode, I I work, you know, 
You know, oh, no, trust every, me, I know. everyone, everyone, you know, a lot of people are working 24 seven just to make ends meet because this, this city is so, you know, bloated with, with all these, these, you know, all these programs on top of all these politicians mm-hmm. stealing money. And you know, yep. <laughs> it's like on top of the taxes that push up the cost of stuff. Oh yeah, like and all sorts of other things. And and I mean the thing yeah. is, wh- whenever a problem arises, their first their first uh solution is, oh, we gotta we gotta raise the prices, we gotta raise the taxes, uh, make the rich pay this to make this. And, and it's like when I hear that, it's like, oh crap, another another tax hike for me. Not not so much for the rich because hey, it's the rich here that that fund these idiots that will that you know so they're gonna protect their special interests. I mean, yeah. and all I all I know is like, oh, okay, crap. I'm gonna end up having to pay more. I mean, the price of everything's gonna raise up, and you know, instead of instead of doing something that's more common sense, like uh, I, like with Larry Sharp, uh, you know, when I had him on the show. You know, talking about making basically um, allowing for more competition, or uh-huh. or you know, or when it comes to the bridges, uh, you know, have have private companies sponsor the bridges to to pay for their upkeep and stuff, so that way it it will cost the the state or the city less, or you know, other you know, other other yeah. common sense oh, I, ideas. I love Larry. Larry's a brother to me. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, he he's he's fantastic. I mean, common sense things, and it's like it, it, it just it just really upsets me that common sense uh, uh, solutions are never spoken about. Are are always always uh, you know? I I recently learned how to argue like a liberal. <laughs> it's like you uh-huh. say something you like like let let's let's role play a little bit. State me a a, a common scientific fact. Like something very simple that even a school child would know. When you throw, uh, I don't have any like. I mean, do you want me to make something up? Because I don't have any like facts readily available off the, off the top of my head. But okay, okay. Um, water, wa- water is wet. Oh, <laughs> that's so. That's okay, so yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, you throw something, you know, something goes up, it must come down. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I can't believe you still think like that. Oh, oh, oh my goodness! You're so adorable. Okay, what did I say that was wrong? Oh my goodness! If I have to tell you, you just don't get it. Well, that you're not debating me anything. You're you're not. You're just calling me names. <laughs> it's, that's that's how mm-hmm. liberals debate. That's you know, it's 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 like it's like water. Water is not wet. It's just trans. Um, shapeless or something like that i don't know like okay yeah no i mean it's it's just yeah basically people just kind of um they just they just treat their conclusion as assumed and then just folks spend more time judging you for not taking their conclusion instead of actually trying to convince you of their conclusion yeah because they don't have they don't have an argument and and the thing is when you have like the the one thing you could say about you know and, and I'm probably going to get beaten over the head about this. You know, people like, um, you know, like the KKK, real racist. Yeah, they're wrong. And But the thing is, they actually took the time to develop an argument. You know, it's... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, well, I mean, everyone should actually, like, talk instead of just finally yelling at each other. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, say what you will about about white supremacists. 
they actually take the time to 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 make an argument. Yeah, they use junk science or or just some form of fairy tale. But you know, it, it it's it's it it beats whatever autistic screeching that the left or you know, the the left you know does towards them. I mean, I'm not praising white supremacy. No, no, you're saying you're just saying that you rather deal with someone with views that you violently dislike but is willing to engage with you in actual discourse yeah. than someone who just wants to spit out ad hominem attacks yeah. and, and they not actually have a real discussion, even if you may be sympathetic to one or two things they might say. Yeah, I mean, look, look, you can, it's, it's, it's so much, it's so easy to curse someone out that you don't agree with, but, you know, a lot of times you can't, like, I, and, and I sp- oh, I've spoken to many leftists, why do you feel this way? Why is this? And, and when you explain to them, okay, well, could it be this? Could it be, even at the act of asking questions, what if it's this? What if it's that? They get upset. They get violent. Like they they get violently upset. Like I even like I I offended a bunch of people just by asking, what if transsexualism is a mental illness? Have we look actually looked into this? Oh, that's wrong. Da, da, da. Like, why is it wrong? I'm not saying th- I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying they shouldn't do this. But what if they are self harming themselves by by thinking that they are a different? Like, what if? What if we? You know, what if we shouldn't just blindly accept it and 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 maybe see this as trying to help someone? And they got upset that's all oh, you're bigoted, you're insensitive. And it's like why? And even to even ask the question is 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 basically uh akin to like freaking almost almost spray painting swastikas. <laughs> like how yeah, did, no, I, how, I did how, how did we get here? <laughs> um, I mean this is a lot of reasons we got we we've gotten here. I mean a lot of it is a lot of this, a lot of the focus on, and I'm not necessarily saying this is necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of the focus on sort of the way, like focusing <laughs> on what the end is or like what is good, is a lot more determined based on like how people feel than based on necessarily like, for example, um, in that case, mental health mm. um, and whatnot. You know, before like, well, let's put it this way. Um, we've come less focused on like, what's okay. So are you doing something that's apps going to make you absolutely healthier or, or make you something in the absolute sense, less healthy? Um, the, should that take priority over something that makes you enjoy your life more? This is sort of where I think a lot of the debate has gone where, mm-hmm. a lot more, where the debate has gone a lot more towards, okay, what makes you, what makes your experience better? What makes um, focusing a lot le- less on sort of absolute sort of measurable quantities mm-hmm. more than, sort of a- abstract concepts, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, this is, I wish there was a lot more of that in economics where people, like, associate, you know, talk more about opportunity cost and mm-hmm. talk about things that are not necessarily measurable. Um, but the thing is, from a lot of these debates, people don't define their terms. They don't define, okay, what do I define as sort of ideal or what parameters are we discussing? And people just get mad at each other when they disagree because mm-hmm. they don't examine each other's premises. Like, what, are, what premise are you coming back from? So... Generally, when people say, "Okay, something a this uh, a mental health disorder," they're saying, "Okay, well, then this is this is a condition that makes someone worse off." But what what access are we discussing worse off? We're talking about worse off health wise, worse off quality of life, 
And in that case, from there, once you examine and you set your premises, you can actually have a discussion. The problem is a lot of people don't take that extra step to make sure that they're arguing on the same level, nor do they want to. They just want to be upset. Um, or they, you know, and a lot of it's just, you know, they, they, I mean, I know for me, I have a lot of transgender friends. Um, a lot of people who are really close to me that are transgender, so I'm very sympathetic um, to a lot of those issues. So I, I definitely would be someone who um, would not consider it a mental, mental illness. But I can understand why people want to have that discussion, and I can yeah. understand the premises of that discussion, of, of that other and, and whereas so me, I, I, you know, yeah, I live in New York City all my life, but the thing is, in, in my neighborhood, there's really not, I've never really been exposed to uh, people who are transgender, and that's that's the one thing I can I can't fathom. So it's like I I'm not gonna be the one like where I'm not gonna be the one to like oh God hates this that that and the other thing and attack someone because that's not my way. It's just that I have questions and yeah. I feel I feel like you know you, you, me you know uh mm, this is gonna sound yeah, really, I, this I, is gonna I, sound really cheesy but like I I hate seeing people in pain if if there is a way for me to to rush into the to the abyss and drag them out i'll I'll do i'll do whatever's in my power to do so and to me i you know if someone feels like they have to cut off an appendage to because they feel like there's something else to me that 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 seems extreme and you know it's like i don't want to i don't want to i don't want the government stepping in it's like no no don't do that yeah you know i think people i mean and again this is just my take uh just from having um known several transgender people it's like it's not always about like trans- a lot of transgender people never have sexual assignment surgery it's not necessarily it's 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 oftentimes a lot of more about how they feel they're living their life. Mm. Some people do go all the way. There's, there's definitely shades of gray. I've met people who, you know, maybe never even do hormone therapy, depending on sort of their, you know, their, their existing build or how they feel about themselves. Mm. There's definitely different shades of gray. And, um, yeah, you know, I can understand how other people may be uh, weirded out by people who go to those extremes. Um, but at the end of the day, not my choice. Uh for them, but I can understand why you have questions and you should be able to ask those questions because yeah. that's the best way for people to understand each other better. If people were actually allowed to ask each other questions and try to understand each other. Yeah. Cause it really seems like, and wow, we went on an official tangent of the show. Um, <laughs> it just really seems like you have to accept me. Okay. Why? Just why? Like what, what's going on? Like it, it really seems like it's like, accept me now. Like, uh, go, can, can I get a minute to like adjust to this to this new reality that you sprung on me before you start screaming for this and that and the other thing? I mean, the only type of sexual thing that I believe that that I personally believe should never be tolerated whatsoever. I, I you know even even as a libertarian, I don't believe that this is acceptable at all. Is if once you involve children, other than that, yeah, uh, other than that, you know. Yeah, and then, yeah. Other than that, separate, it's, yeah, it's none of my business. Yeah. Other than yeah, that, yeah, no. But once, like, but, agree. Yeah, agree. but so w- judging that is like when you when you start like having drag queens like read bedtime stories like looking like a, a demon from hell with your face painted up like literally with horns and you're reading to children. That to me, that that's kind of a line that that's being crossed. Oh. 
Personally, I don't see what's the difference between that and having someone come in and dress up like Ronald McDonald. Mm. Someone you know, performing is a performance. Like the drag queens, are like again, they're performing. Mm -hmm. But I can understand why people are uncomfortable. And when we're talking about children, parents should have a say in, what, in having in their say in that. In yeah. a sense. So if parents aren't comfortable with that, they should be able to take their kids out. I mean, I don't. Ha I don't personally have a problem with it. But I'm, I'm okay that some parents do. Well, because the way the way it, you know the way I see it, it it's the whole drag thing, queen thing is of a sexual nature. If you think about it, it it's oh yeah, the same, it's like a cabaret performer. Yeah, it's it's a sexual thing, and you know, and I and I would be I would be like I was uncomfortable when you had Sasha Gray reading reading to children. And do, okay, well, do, see, do you know do you know who I, Sasha I, Gray? I, I, yeah. And, I, and again, I, I totally understand that. And that's why it and, should be and, up to parents making yeah. decisions for their kids. Yeah, I, and when there was a uh, backlash, it's like, okay, what do you expect? And this is coming from someone who enjoys her performance. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. But, you know, you don't, want, you don't want your kids, like, one day is like, okay, oh, I want to I wanna know where Miss Gray is because uh, I like the way she read that story. And they Google her one day and it's like, oh, my God. Now, now my yeah. kid, now I have to explain bukkake to my two year old, to my to my nine year old. It's like what what in the actual fuck? <laughs> so I mean, it's like it, I'm not trying to sound homophobic or transphobic or whatever phobic. Oh no, no, you know, it's just uh, parents, that you know, parents should feel concerned um, about about anything mm -hmm. for their kids, and it should be up to, uh, up to them what they're comfortable with their kids being exposed to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know. Um, nothing you said is unreasonable. These discussions should be had. Again, mm -hmm. if people don't talk, then we never get to any kind of consensus. So I'm, yeah, uh, I, mean, I totally that, understand that. And that's now, the problem here I'm in New York. Head out in a second. Oop. What happened? Oh, I'm gonna have to head out in here, just so you know. Okay, so just to bring it back, bring it back, because we want on on the official tangent of the show. We so just to bring it back, like to that that type of questioning, even questioning, so, like yet yeah, we went to that extreme, but questioning and, and and you know trying to wonder why is like could that be the reason why there's such another reason why that there's such a, a strong foothold democratic foothold here because uh you know there there is no there, there is such a block a uh, blockage of, of other ideas coming in oh, i agree i mean that's what happens when you have any area that's heavily dominated by a particular political party mm -hmm. um just that they they make it impossible to discuss the opposite point of view mm -hmm. which then creates a political paralysis and part of that is just the way we've we've isolated each other a lot of people have moved to places a lot of people have made efforts to move to places where people agree with them more but we've politically segregated ourselves you know and created sort of sort of like two americas in a sense where basically there's there's liberal places and there's conservative places and you know maybe little pieces of new hampshire are libertarian places but for the most part you know people want to live with people people are once upon a time people we're much more exposed to people with different ideas because you, you didn't just pack up and move and you didn't have the internet where you could just kind of hang out with people who agree with you, which is, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, it's nice to be able to be connected with people around the world, but it has, it has created an, a need to find new ways to have these conversations and expose ourselves to ideas that we don't necessarily agree with or conflict with and have these discussions so that we can have a more moderated discussion with each other yeah. instead of having all these screaming matches and, 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 and hyperbole and mm. that we see that, that prevents 
uh, places like New York City from having a more robust political conversation. Okay. So, anyways, Alex, it's always to have. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You are very knowledgeable, and I mean, it's it's uh, li- it's still libertarian one hundred one dot com, correct? Yep. If you want to learn about libertarianism, head to libertarian101.com. If you want to learn more about me, head over to alexmerced.com. And if you want to learn more economics, go to learneconomicsnow.com. Also, and also follow you on the Twitters at Alex Merced. Um, Alex- yes, you can follow me on anything at oh. Alex Merced. Oh, are you on Gab? <laughs> not, on, not on Gab. On, get, get, uh, get on, get on, on Gab. Twitter. Get I'll on- try. I mean, I, I get so many social media things that i manage i'll see if i can i can put a squeeze in another one well i mean look gab is there in case you know because twitter you know they're you I'm familiar know. i'm familiar yeah so anyways so, yeah, yeah alex i know you have to go thank you for coming on and you know you're, again you're always welcome to come on also uh before you go we uh just to prove that the president does listen to the show he uh just messaged I would join, but I'm busy running the country at the moment. So thank you, thank you, uh, Mr. President, for listening to the show. <laughs> That's awesome. Did he actually like feedback at that? Yeah, yeah. He just, he just, he, well, he just, um, he just left a comment in in the chat room. So I'm sorry, Mr. President, we didn't. We're, we're just now getting to you. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, like like I said, this shit. He tweeted that the show is better than Infowars. So <laughs> just. That's- <laughs> yep. Just not not just to sound braggadocious. So uh yeah, so thank you for coming on. I'm gonna I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the show. As always, please tweet tweet out this show, share it with your friends, family, uh, you know, your little cousin during bar mitzvah. Um, you know, wherever wherever you, you, you want, just spread this out. Uh you know and as always from my house to your house. Mahalo. And that's the end of my show, Donk. Help the Crouch Out Radio Show grow and thrive by doing something you already do. Shop on Amazon. Amazon always has great deals for whatever you are looking for. From survivalists and riot gear to beanie babies. Next time you're going to shop at Amazon, use my link. The prices stay the same, but I get credit for the sale. Just go to tinyurl.com slash B and just shop normally knowing that you're helping support the Crotch Shot Radio Show. That's tinyurl.com slash B. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? 
<laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.